Hello and welcome to episode 121 of What Most People Think. You hear that pause there? Because uh, this is a guy that's been off work for a while. I think since the 16th of December. Uh, the Christmas special with Romesh. I got that in the bag early. So I'm creaky, guys. I'm just going to warn you, a heads up. I, I might take a little... I've got a coffee on the go here. Someone bought me, actually, a Christmas present that, that wasn't bad. It was coffee bags. For a while, I haven't had coffee because cafetiers all seem a bit poncy. The pod thing just seemed like fucking soda stream for grown-ups. Um, so there you go. That's the first joke I've cracked in about two weeks. Um, and here's something. Was that a joke? Did I? Did, sorry, let's rewind. Did I miss that? Look, I'm just getting warmed up. But uh, but I've got a coffee on the go. And I'm, I've uh, I sort of hauled myself off the couch to do this. My wife and my son were having one of those days, you know, just watching any animated film. Millionth Pixar film. They're all the fucking same, aren't they? You know, nervous kids, nervous animals with anxiety disorders. It's funny. You can take the piss out of anxiety if it's a giraffe called Ronald. But I need to get I need to get ahead and do this because this is now an annual thing, which is Mystic Jeff. I should put an echo effect on that, but I can't be asked. I just can't be asked. And uh, this is where I'll be making my predictions for 2022 and uh, doing a quick recap. Also of my predictions for 2021. Uh, just going to say hello to a VIP here. I don't know if Dave Dave Littlewood is a VIP, but he joined a while ago, and for some reason his name was left out. If you do think that you have not had your shout out, obviously this is a big part of it. Please do uh, uh, contact me and Dave Littlewood. Dave Littlewood. That's he. Dave Littlewood owns a garage, doesn't he? He's done all right. Dave Littlewood. He's one of those guys just. Plugged away, left school at 16. You know, you sat next to him in GCSE Science a couple of lessons a week. It always seemed like a nice lad. You thought, I don't know why we're not mates. And then, you know, he just, oh, is, Dave, is he not doing A-levels? No, no, he just he, he wants to learn about cars. And then suddenly he's got his own Dave's wheels. <laughs> he's got his own, he's got, he's got staff. Fucking Dave does all right. It's what, he's, 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 got a, he's got a villa in Spain. Everyone, but everyone's pleased with him. Lovely bloke. Well done, Dave Littlewood. The Littlewoods. Uh, the cuss count, as as we uh, so there's no cuss count at the moment. Uh, we're in limbo between the cuss count, and I'm going to announce uh, next week. Next week, <laughs> that's next year. Next week is oh God, are we at that point of the year where people do that shitty thing where you you go around and see them on New Year's Eve. They go see you next year. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, there is a thing also that happens at this time of the year where people seem people can't just not tweet at the moment. They have to keep giving stuff to their followers, so they they'll just go. <laughs> It's 11am and I'm still in my pyjamas eating Quality Street. Yeah, everyone's doing that, okay? It's because we've all descended into slovenliness, all right? It's nothing to be proud of. What you should be doing is you should be getting showered, all right? Having a nutritional breakfast and going for a fucking walk. It's not celebrating, celebrating your fecklessness. Um, so a quick, uh, just a quick catch up on a couple of things before we get into the main bit of the show. Uh, Omicron, um, what's happened over... The last couple of weeks, of course, in in the run up to Christmas, there were you know there was these fears being stoked. There were a lot of South African scientists that were saying, "Oh, we think it's quite mild, eh? We think it's quite mild." I said, "Britain, we think it's quite mild." Britain, I said, "We think it is quite mild." We go, "Sorry, no, what's that? Sorry, didn't it work?" Scientists, well, what are the qualifications like over there? And we were going, um, "Yeah, I think we'll make our own conclusions over here." You know, <laughs> yes, we'll you know we'll get our own data. We'll get our own data. And then, of course, in the run-up to Christmas, everyone, everyone's fucking um, 
everyone's testing themselves, you know what I mean, there's loads of testing, the amount of testing goes up so much, and the numbers start to get pretty big, but lo and behold, lo and behold, I say, look, I think it's quite much, shut up South African doctor, lo and behold, what we found is that it does seem to be a good deal milder, yeah, that's like what you were saying, that it might be quite milder, <laughs> it's a weird accent, isn't it? And so, yeah, the numbers are big. That doesn't mean that it still won't result in hospitalizations. The all important oh, fucking this is this pandemic. I don't want to be thinking about this. You know, what are the hospitalizations like this week? This is what happens when there's no sport on. And uh, but yeah, so, so obviously the um, Drakeford and Sturgeon went big. You know, uh, they couldn't wait to bring in new restrictions. Um, we we decided that the sport can be watched by four hundred ninety-eight people and two whippets. Uh, and you can sit in a pub because uh, I can't be that fucking unpopular, but there'll be no hogmany. No fucking, no, not this year. Sorry, sorry. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for use. I'm doing it for fucking use. And then old Mark Drakey Drakeford, he's like, well, you know, we must uh, must proceed cautiously, said Mrs. Potterall, beating on the gong. Why? Look, I know he's not Dylan Thomas. Um... And we were going to stop people going for runs. <laughs> this is there's this big run that they normally do in Wales, and he said, "No, no more of that, boy." And people will stop going for uh, swims, swim, outdoor exercise. Are you fucking kidding me? Whether I mean the reasons why Boris has been hesitant to put in new restrictions, it may well be, as I said on Twitter, that he just wanted a headline on the same. He wanted, he just wanted a good headline. Do you know what I mean? It's like. If like a striker's gone a few months without a goal, he doesn't care if it goes in off his knob, do you know what I mean? Or if it's just somebody, he's lying on the floor unconscious and the goalkeeper boots in, it ricochets off his head and goes in. He just wanted that headline, didn't he? Of him with like party poppers around him and Big Ben and like good old Boris, that's what he wants. You know, he wants to be liked. So I think that the reasoning probably, you know, among the cabinet was was good. That The data didn't quite suggest yet that we were the hospitals were at the point of being overwhelmed, and um, yeah, we get we get to have New Year's Eve. We get to have New Year's Eve uh, in England. So come, come, you know. To I say to my Scottish and my Welsh brethren, get get you know, get in your minibuses. You won't you won't have people at the borders like they were in Scotland. Do you remember at the height of last summer where there was some Scottish people trying to turn English people back? Be gone, you poison sasnak. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You're more you're more than welcome. And I'll tell you something. Those trains. Out of Glasgow down to London, you do just just be aware. I would imagine it'll be like when England plays Scotland at about four p.m. Just just steer clear of the King's Cross area is what I'm saying because <laughs> you know it's amazing with uh, with Scottish like hijinks. You know, we'd have a beer and they start acting up. Remember at the Euro game between England and Scotland, there was just blokes just fucking off their faces, getting their cocks out on tube carriages in front of young families. They're going, "Oh, the best fans in the world, the best fans in the world," and then. All the England fans do is do cocaine in public and start fighting each other. And apparently we're the arseholes. Okay, just before we get onto the main bulk of this week's podcast, the predictions and the wrap-up of my predictions for last year, let's do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, thank you to Food With Flavour. Last night I went out, had my sister and my brother-in-law up, and we had a lovely time. And I, I showed unusual foresight in that I thought, right, we've all been eating pale meats... <laughs> Pale meats, processed meats, beige stuff, beige bites, chicken beige bites, beige fritters, yeah, beige chate, 
I thought I'm gonna book a Turkish restaurant because it's just gonna it's gonna blow us away. And we went there, and even even from like when they brought out the bread and it had the dipping sauce, we were like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, every year year it happens where you eat the kind of um, Christmas Eve food, you know, the, the Christmas Day food, Boxing Day, and it's very easy just to go to the fridge and make yourself a lunch or out of the stuff that's there, and then everyone reaches their tipping point. I think the 28th of December is probably the right day to challenge yourself once again. It's just something with a little bit of fucking coriander in <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ, my mouth, my mouth is alive again. And the fuck you is to people who are bitching about the test and trace budget, right? So it's been circulated for a long time. It's one of these Labour things that has really stuck, is that the government spent 37 billion quid on test and trace, okay? And a lot of people call it track and trace, which kind of underlines the problem is that a lot of people think all that 37 billion was on a group of people in a call center with headsets ringing people going are you in your house uh, you, all right could you you should be you yeah could you go back to your house sorry oh wrong person sorry but could you go back to your house anyway and of course it wasn't ever about that it was test and trace and the biggest part of that was test and trace and now finally with people doing fucking free lateral flow tests a day uh, I think I think the 37 billion is starting to look like a bit of a bargain, <laughs> to be honest. The people people going and then the other thing is, I mean, like, so firstly, it was uh, the budget goes up to April 2022, and I'm not being an apologist for this conservative government, but I think this is a massive piece of misinformation, and the majority of it was for testing. Okay, think about everyone getting tested. Think about these people having a fucking lateral flow test just to go to the co-op. You know what I mean? Everyone's been testing. Look how many people... And then, and then people have to front to go, well, can you believe in a supposedly developed economy that there are currently no lateral flow tests available? Yeah, do you know why? Because selfish pricks, just like they did with the pasta and the fucking bog rolls, they've gone up their local pharmacy and they've come home with about a box of 20, all right? So why don't we in this country start taking some responsibility? Because we're paranoid little fuckers running around, you know, doing a lateral flow test if someone kind of burps within 20 metres of us. And, oh, fuck, just before we crack on, have you seen that advert, the latest government advert, trying to, I don't know, encourage us to have lateral flow tests, wear masks, get vaccinated, do all this stuff. Basically, it's people sitting in a house talking to each other, and then bit by bit, the air out of their mouth starts to become like black toxic smoke. Now, you know, call me old-fashioned, but coming on the television as it did after Monsters, Inc., <laughs> I'm say, I don't really want my son thinking that breathing and talking is essentially a toxic activity. Yeah, call me on fact. I think the kids have suffered enough. Let's get into the first bit of this week's show, which is looking back on my predictions for 2021. So let's have a look at what I predicted. Um, let's first say, first and foremost, a lot of it was wrong. So I'm not going to dwell. I'm not going to. I'm going to be like a politician now. I don't think it's worth us dwelling on the things that went wrong. Obviously, there were learnings to to, to be taken from that. I think we've got to look at what we did right, and we've got to focus on that. And we've got to try and replicate that moving forward. So the big thing that I got right in the end was that Labour would eventually edge ahead in the polls. I thought it would happen earlier in the year, and I thought it might happen for different reasons, but. Essentially, Labour have got ahead because the Tories have been shit, okay? They did a lot of stuff right and wrong for a while. And then it feels like the last few months, what with the Owen Patterson affair and the Christmas parties, uh, that they've essentially been kind of like just machine gunning themselves in the foot. 
Like a, like the AEC majority was like a Brewster's million inheritance. So they're going, right, how can we get rid of this? And, and you know, at the moment, people are sort of Labour increasing their, their vote share. I think if you had a not Boris Johnson party, that, that would poll pretty well as well. So I think fair enough, Labour have got ahead, despite not having really said or, or done anything. You know, they haven't picked... A lot of people say, oh, it's not their job in opposition. And I'm sure they would be saying that the exact same if the Tories were in opposition. But I think that it is a problem for them that the only reason they've got ahead is because the Tories have been bad. At some point, the focus will come on Labour, especially if this gamble that the Tories have taken over Christmas and New Year with not bringing in new restrictions, especially if that pays off. Because there is a big divide for some reason between stuff that happens before Christmas and after. Now, some people may have got off the Tory train forever after the parties thing, but there will be some people that it will fade a bit uh, into the distance and you know if the booster campaign is seen to have been very effective if the economy is seen to have done better comparatively with both European nations and home nations am I allowed to say that is that politically incorrect are they are not, not not my fucking home um so so yeah I, I think that Labour got to do a lot more than, than just sit tight while the Tories implode because the point is they might stop imploding at one point um and it is astonishing when you think what happened with the, the Owen Patterson thing was just one of, that was the, the one that really started it. We go, my God, how out of touch are you? Just to, just take the 30 day suspension. I mean, <laughs> for the good of the party, mate, just do it. 30, it's 30 days. All right. Yeah. 30 days. You put you fucking, you isolate for longer than that. If you've been within two foot of someone who had Omicron, it's 30 days. Just take the fucking suspension, mate. You'd still be an MP today. The Lib Dems, I predicted that they would just kind of meander around in mediocrity at 6%. They did better than I thought. And they won a couple of by-elections, one of them spectacularly so in Shropshire North. Um, it's kind of a diss to Shropshire, isn't it? That not only, like, it's a whole county. You know, like some of them, are, they, they kind of combine two towns, like, you know, Billingham and, and Wethurst and stuff. And, and then some really small places have a north. Shropshire North, just just no fucking live in Shropshire North. We just, we're just, we're just lump it all together there, Shropshire North. When you get into London, every little town, you know what I mean, as it's own, even even like even in fucking like one town, probably Nando's is a constituency, but because um, kids love the Nando's, don't they? They love the Nando's. The children, they fucking love it. You see them, um, and yeah, so they've done well. They've done well, but Lib Dems, they're kind of they're your by-election party, aren't they? They're the party that you go for. For a by-election, they're perfect. It's like, you don't want it any other time. It's like mulled wine at Christmas, isn't it? You know, if you offer a Lib Dem uh, outside of by-election, that's weirdly gross, you know, but you give it around by-election time, that's actually quite warming, isn't it? Yeah, that's quite nice. And now one, another prediction I got right was I said, I said that the no to independence would increase, right? The opposition to Scottish independence, independence would increase as the effects of Brexit were um, revealed to be less damaging and apocalyptic. You know, weirdly, we didn't have the super strain of gonorrhea. Not yet, all right? You know, chaos at the ports and a lot of the things. We'll get, we'll get onto that in a minute uh, as to what actually happened uh, with Brexit this year. But you see over the course of the year, this was what I think was, was underappreciated by political commentators, was that a lot of Scottish people had been told that the Brexit would be an absolute catastrophe and things would stop working. I mean, I remember to the point where the people were saying we won't be able to get medicine. You know, it was, it was just the, like the most rank 
kind of play into people's basic fears. And and that hasn't happened. Now, there have been issues. You know, we had shortages. Uh, we had an HGV driver crisis. Uh, a lot of countries did. I mean, if you just if you just put just think of a country, right? Think of a country, right? America shortages. And just Google it and see what it says. Then go Germany, shortages. Just think of any country in the world. And surprise, surprise, as the consumer uh, economy picked up as countries started unlocking, people wanted to buy shit. People wanted to buy shit. And yeah, maybe we had, I think overall, we were short 100,000 drivers and 10,000 or 9,000 of those were were European drivers that hadn't come back. So fair enough, that is an impact. But it was made out like it was literally, like the moment we voted leave, suddenly... All these European drivers said, oh, okay, I hear you loud and clear. Yes, one moment pandemic strikes, I go home, you have supply chain issues. Uh, I sounded like, who did that sound like there? I sounded like Gru out of Despicable Me. Kevin, the moment you go home, you'll... <laughs> Banana. But, of course, as I predicted, people want to be proved right in the fullness of time, don't they? Uh, so, you know, we had the fuel shortages as well, which were not really to do with HGV drivers particularly. There was a meeting uh, which of which the minutes were leaked and there was a problem with 1% of BP forecourts or something, right? And it was leaked. You have to wonder why it was leaked. Was it to try and get the government to relax the rules on immigration for European HGV drivers? Possibly. Was that a good thing to want? Maybe. Maybe we needed that. But the effects, I mean, it was just hilarious the way it played out, wasn't it? Journalists just, I mean, journalists really don't cover themselves in glory at the moment, do they? Just prodding politicians. Panic. Should we panic? Should we panic? And the, the politicians just shaking their head, not wanting to say the word panic. Sorry, what was that, Minister? I'm saying we shouldn't do that thing you're alluding to. What's that, panic? The, that. So you're saying don't panic. Um, you may deduce that. Please say don't panic because then we can talk about this for a few days and it's easier. It's just easier. Say don't panic, Minister. No, I'm not saying that. Minister, say it. All right, all right. Look, I mean, yeah, people shouldn't panic, right? He said, don't panic. And then everyone, everyone you knew. Now, there were some people with jobs, like, you know, say comedians that needed to drive places, that were fully within their rights to go and fill up their car immediately. <laughs> There's some people who go, like, you got fucking old doddery people, you know, who are driving around to local Morrisons to fill up. You go, you ain't, you ain't put fucking 700 miles on your car this year. What, what do you think is going to happen, Grandad? So there have been problems here, but of course they've been exacerbated to the max because things like Twitter, with which politicians and journalists still continue to draw their worldview, it can be polarised, right? So, you you know, photos of, of shortages and, you know, there were definitely shortages, but the degree to which they were perceived to be was certainly out of step with the reality. And then there were the predictions going forward that this is going to last till Christmas. You're not going to be able to get pigs in blanket. You're not going to be able to get turkeys. And lo and behold... I probably ate more pigs in blanket this year than ever. Now, some of that is to do that I have an eating disorder, but they were certainly fucking available. And my God, did did anyone ever take any responsibility for running with these stories? What I've learned is if people lose at something, whether they lose at a football match, a referendum or a vote, it doesn't really leave a certain kind of person. They will always be on the lookout for things that prove them right in the fullness of time. Like take, for example, uh, inflation. You know, we have had inflation here this year. But just just have a look around the world. Have a look. Inflation here is lower than most of the major European countries. Lower than Germany, lower than Italy, lower than the US. Still too high. But it's very easy, isn't it, on our little island to just think, oh, it's just us. We're the only ones with Romicron. Inflation's running wild. Plague Island. Britain shit. Churchill was a wanker. 
I also predicted that um, that the economic news this year would be good. I mean, it wasn't hard to do, given that the GDP last year fell by more than I think it did during the year where we actually thought the Nazis would invade. <laughs> what was it? I don't know. In the end. It was 9.9% in the end, wasn't it? But I remember one quarter was like 20 20%. I mean, given that we we're all in our houses, fair enough. But um, so the year on year comparison was always going to look look better. And we, we, you know, we are, so I don't know if we're still the head, the top of the G7, but in terms of economic growth this year, I think we were either the first or second in the G7. So these, these are good things. But the, the thing that really surprised me, you know, this is despite Brexit. I mean, these are, these, this is one thing that I always find so funny about the nature of discourse online. I would say that the possibility of there not being pigs in blanket pales into insignificance when you look at economic growth and the fact that uh, our unemployment rate is back down to what it was pre-pandemic. Get that in your fucking Swede. Pre-pandemic. That, remember they said it would take years, decades, might never go back. Already back. Okay? And that is due to the durability of the British consumer. We kept buying fucking McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? We kept going for coffees. We kept getting shit delivered to our houses. You know, and we 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 survived. We survived our blitz by spending like nutters. And and there were 1.2 million job vacancies as well. Now, of course, you know, there are a lot of people who just say, well, that's why we should have free movement. So we can, yeah, go, go back to the old model of depressed wages in certain sectors. I mean, we have seen wage settlements in certain sectors streaking ahead. Well, it's not streaking ahead, just to what they should be, man. Do you know what I mean? HGV drivers should have been getting paid more. Do you, do you think about what it would, you would charge to be in something like the, the level of responsibility, something that had a payload, right? probably worth a few million quid in the back you know something that if it veered out of control could probably take out half a fucking motorway carriageway then having to sleep what sleep in a, in a welcome break just parking up imagine that just parking up going into the <laughs> going into the, the the service station bit having a shower then going back to your little thing i know i know every bloke harbors the idea that well i'm quite well mind staying in an hgv thing one night yeah it's like the sleeper train going to london you do it once okay then when you get up in the morning and you have to go back into that service station to use the shower again, you got your little towel over your shoulder, right? You got your little toothbrush, like you're st- staying at the world's shittest hotel. Okay, so so what we were paying wasn't enough for that job, and it should have been paid more. And so the economic news has has been good, and I don't know if it'll be as good next year. We'll get onto that uh, in the predictions, but but I mean, it suggests that furlough was phased out correctly. Go on, I've, got, I've gone full Tory shill this week, haven't I? Furlough was phased out, phased out correctly because we didn't have as many redundancies. Suggests they got the timing right. And that is what the Tories should do, I think. They, should, they need a little campaign that reminds people of what they've done. And they should just have a little, little poster with Rishi and Boris on it going, the Tories, we paid your wages. You're welcome. People would lose their fucking minds. Whereas if Labour did that, they're going, yeah, thank you, thank you. Labour, Labour paid your wages. I mean, that almost sounds like a Labour slogan from the 50s, doesn't it? Labour paid your wages. Labour for the working man. Whereas the Tories, it'd be like, the Tories, we paid your wages. It would somehow, even I would read it sinister. We paid your wages, you feckless fucks. <laughs> All 
All right, so those were a recap of my predictions for 2021, and I think we'll all agree that I got them pretty much all spot on. Uh, just going to do a quick hype in here before we get onto the predictions for 2022. We got some five pound patrons in the mix. Paul R just says R. So where do you work, Paul? I reckon you work for the Guardian, Paul. I reckon one of your bosses. I reckon you had fuck all work to do over Christmas, and one of your bosses said, uh, "Who's that, Jeff Norcott swat?" Yeah, like we, he doesn't said anything on Twitter that we could do it for. Oh, join his Patreon. Join his Patreon. See what he says on his Patreon. We could just listen to his podcast, boss. No, it's too much like hard work. That's why I've got your number, Paul. Uh, Daniel Ashley. I'd say the main thing of you, Daniel, is you, you seem to have signed up three times. So check. I mean, like if you want to give me or, the, or that there are three Daniel Ashleys, quite a common name. But yeah, I don't know what happened. Maybe you were smashed. Perhaps in the run-up to Christmas, you had a little <laughs> a little bit of eggnog, but too much eggnog. Fucking woke up slumped with your face on your MacBook Pro and just like, you you know, and the buttons are still pressing and you were down to like page 17,000 of an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> but thank you for your support, Daniel. And let's remind ourselves it's keeping the podcast weekly and ad-free. And, uh, Will Shepard. Will Shepard. You just sound like someone who works in TV, Will. I work with loads of Will Shepards in TV. They're just these guys, you know, just, they're all about 45, Will Shepard wears these TV guy glasses. You know they haven't got any frames in. He's just wearing it for the look. You know, Will Shepard, he's like, yeah, yeah, Jeff, no, really, really, yeah, yeah, man. Will, yeah, no, yeah. And Keith Maguire. The Maguires sound like a new family in EastEnders, don't they? Phil be like, have you heard the Maguires are moving back to the square? What do you mean, Phil? There was never any Maguires in the square. In the square. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's before your time, young man. Youngling? EastEnders has now become merged with Star Wars now. That's right. I'm Phil Mitchell. I'm going to use the force. Yeah, sorry, Phil. You mentioned that's from Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, do you not realise that the EastEnders is part of the Star Wars cinematic universe now? And I am a former Jedi who's turned into a right arsehole. Um, Tour dates. We got tour dates coming up um, next year. The big rooms. Let's talk about the big rooms. Winchester, the Winchester Royal, Ipswich, Corn Exchange, probably, probably a Corn Exchange. Portsmouth, Portsmouth Royal. If you don't know, just call them Royals or Corn Exchanges. We got and the biggie, Wimbledon Theatre, 29th of May. I'm going there tomorrow to see Shane Ritchie in Panto. <laughs> He's playing Dick Whittington. I, I think you'll all agree with me. That is going to be a good fucking pantomime, isn't it? And there's almost no famous other people on the pantomime because that's how good Shane Ritchie is. He's taking all the budget. He's Shane Ritchie. Don't be ridiculous. I reckon the next most famous person will be someone that made fucking Judges Houses on X Factor in 2000. And, like when it started getting shit, 2015. Like His name's like Lee Wilson or something. He's been doing the ships for a while. But, <laughs> but here he is. One of the things I love about Pantomime is, he, is Shane Ritchie is doing Dick Whittington. And if he doesn't do at least 11 innuendo, like cheap fucking innuendos on it, I'll be really disappointed if he doesn't talk about his tremendous dick or what a solid dick he gives or reliable dick. <laughs> okay, right, let's talk about predictions for 2022. So broad brush strokes here before we get into So I went to the VIP patrons and asked them for some things that they might want predicted, which we'll get to in a while. But broad brush strokes here, I think the Labour will stay marginally ahead. I think the... You know, we're talking... I think the Tories will recover a little bit. It'll be like 37 plays 35, something like that. Uh, as long as the Tories don't do any mad shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, as long as they don't go, oh, yeah, pff, oh, sorry, 
Boris has actually, he did actually go to Antigua um, between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> sorry. Oh, oh, we did another one. Oh, God, really sorry. Really sorry. Uh, we Matt Hancock is now a billionaire through NHS contracts. Oh, fuck, sorry. sorry. As long as they don't do any of that shit. But then what might happen, so we're talking 2022 here, halfway through the parliament, it's still quite a long way off. I don't think that the Tories are going to pull many rabbits out of the hat in terms of tax breaks or economically. Rishi will want to because he's bolstering his brand and he clearly wants to be prime minister, but they would be idiots to go too early. I mean, forget fucking Yuga for a while. That's what I, That's what my advice would be to the Tories. Forget polling. Just start enacting the things that you said you were going to do. <laughs> When you and this is a revolutionary idea that all political parties could take uh, take heed from. Start trying to do the shit that you got elected promising to do. Okay, just give that a go. Do some of that leveling up business. See how that goes, right? Because when you get into that last year into the election, this is the benefit of being in power. You can start pulling tax breaks out of your arsehole. You know, Rishi would do that, wouldn't he? He'd just be on this morning, and he'll be getting interviewed by Phil and Holly, and they'll go. So, uh, Rishi would go, hang, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Phil. And he'll just like, he'll do this exaggerated mime. He'll go, look, at, I just pulled out my ass there. Look at that. It's uh, it's another holiday on stamp duty. Whoa, oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's something else down here. And then start pulling him out of his wrist like a shit magician. And then what will happen as we get closer to the election? There'll be more talk next year as Labour failed to establish like a convincing majority. Yeah, because you've got to remember that in 1997, they were polling like 50% versus the Tories 30. Um, there'll be more talk of the progressive alliance. Uh, this idea that, you know, if uh, in some sort of Avengers Assemble way, that if fucking Iron Man and Captain America <laughs> and Captain Lib Dem and all get together, that they will keep all their relative share of the vote. So if the, lab- the average Labour share of the vote is 37%, Lib Dem's what, 10? That's, what was that? 37 Greens, you know, you throw in the SNP, you're probably up to like 55, 60%, right? Now, what the incredible thing about that is that they failed to take into account the fact that loads of people will be scared shitless by the idea of all those bricks trying to find a way of working together with all their different agendas. First and foremost, the, the net effect of such a deal will be that the SNP will get another referendum straight away. I mean, there's no way that they're going to cut a deal without that, right? Uh, and then the idea, I mean, Lib Dems and Labour working together, I think a lot of people could live with, but they, people always forget that there is a kind of socially liberal, economically, fiscally conservative right wing of the Liberal Party that may then go, OK, particularly, they might go back the other way, particularly if the Tories get rid of Boris Johnson. Like he's, for those kind of voters, Boris is the most problematic. They just can't sign up to the idea of him. They just can't. Bear it. They might have been Remainers, but they could probably have got back on side with the Tories if it hadn't been uh, for Boris. Which brings me to a question, which is from my good friend Colin, and also to an extent from Chris McManus. is about how long Boris will survive, basically. Who will be Prime Minister on New Year's Eve 2020, uh, 2022? And Colin actually asked, will Boris make it till October, till Tory party conference? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I just... I don't know. I don't know how bad. I mean, I think if there are more scandals, I think if Boris is demonstrably found to have lied specifically about things, the pressure might get uh, uh, too much. But I think, you know, he's a guy that whatever you think of him, people keep writing him off. You know what I mean? If, and if you write him off too comfortably, it makes him look like a superhero because he, he it makes him too easy to exceed expectations. You know, he, he won't last until March. Oh, it's June and Boris has, just hasn't lost his job. But, ah, Boris has done it again. 
good old Boris. And he'll just say, you know, he's already done it, hasn't he? And said that for the Queen's Jubilee, that pubs will all be open till 1am. A completely meaningless gesture. You know, pubs could independently apply for that. It's just, it's, a, it's Boris's best headlines have all been to do with alcohol. You know, Boris boozy, pubs open, Boris the boozer, Boris gets the lagers in for the lads. Just start giving out lager, Boris. Just go out a big tray of lager. Go into town centre. Go up to the Red Wall and go, would Keir Starmer do this? And just neck a pint outside Poundland. (laughs) Would Keir Starmer do this? He just lights up a Sambuca in front of him and just necks it. Will Rainer, this is from Colin as well, will Angela Rainer bottle it and not go for the coup? She's not going to go for the coup. That sounds like I've got a Scottish game show (laughs) With the prize is, is a cow. Are you going to go for the coup? Is this really cliched humour? I've been off work, okay? You write something after you've eaten as many fucking sausage rolls as I have. Um, will she go? Will she bottle it? I think the moment's already passed for her, hadn't it? There was a point where it was building. People felt a Starmer. This was like summer to autumn last year. Starmer was getting a lot of stick for being a bit lame. Did his 14,000 word essay, which weirdly didn't connect with voters in the Red Wall. Uh, and then a lot of people were identifying the, with the fact that Rainer was a more impassioned attack force um, against the government. But something happened. And then that reshuffle, as much as I took the piss out of Starmer, uh, Starmer initially, it seems to have worked. And he's got a more centrist cabinet. If you look at Rainer when she sits behind Starmer, so the last PMQs going into the recess, Starmer had some good outings, right? And he said a couple of genuinely funny lines. She didn't laugh at one. She does not fucking like him one bit. She didn't, she didn't like it. She didn't even, you could see it in the eyes. She's like, she, I think she thought, oh, I've got the mask on, I can just pretend. She hates him. I mean, she viscerally fucking hates Keir Starmer because he's outmaneuvered her. So she won't, she won't go for the coup. And even if she does, I don't think this is the right time for her. She, she missed her moment, really. And then will she get ousted from her job as deputy? I mean, she's been elected. That would really be Starmer taking on the left. Has he got the stones, people? Has he got the minerals to actually go, all right, not only am I purging it, fucking off you go, off you go, Anja. Jeremy, just so you know, mate, you're never getting back in, you fucking anti-Semite. Anyone else want some, eh? I also think that next year, and I don't think, again, this is like a particularly original take, but I think inflation will fall back because a lot of inflation is based year on year. So some of these uh, these hikes in petrol and stuff are now kind of uh, baked in. Is that the kind of words that we use? These are priced in, baked in. Um, but energy hikes, this seems like the big thing that's going to be coming up in uh, April, you know, like... Uh, a lot of this green stuff that we've now got to do, are people going to be paying, as we've already started paying a lot more for energy, we're going to be paying uh, even more. And it, what will probably happen is because the Tories have had such a such a slump in their approval ratings is that they will probably do something very unconservative. So we've already had like a, a price cap. We, we'll, we'll get something. The Tories will do something because there'll be such pressure. People will be, you know, some people's uh, energy bills might go up by a third. And so it will be the big story come the spring and and, and the pressure will build and, and Boris will be up against, again, sort of sandwiched between his desire to sort of deliver upon his man of the people election pledges in 2019 and the fact that he represents an, an actual conservative party who don't like giving free shit away. 
So I reckon he'll do a one-off or something. It won't be something that goes on forever. He'll, he'll be like, okay, how can I applicate this? Uh, we're going to give everyone under a certain income 400 quid, right? <laughs> it'll be some shitty fudge. I think another thing that will happen um, is as the net effects of lockdowns become clear, there was a, quite a long time where most of the uh, the kind of commentary out, the, the media glitterati, were all very much in favour of lockdowns. Prime Minister, why haven't you locked down? When are we going to lock down? Please lock me down. Now, please bind me, my arms together, Prime Minister. Please, blind, when are you going to blindfold us and throw us in our basements, Prime Minister? And then we're going to start seeing more of these stories coming out about, you know, we already saw a story last week about the effects on the poorest people in society got a lot poorer and the rich got richer. Surprise, surprise. Lockdown's not good for wealth inequality. Um, We'll see, you know, we'll see more come out about health outcomes, cancers, everything. Kids, babies missing vaccinations. I think also when it comes to to COVID, there'll start to be leaks because there's no doubt that the the government and the public health bodies have manipulated um, the public to a degree, right? There've been these things that are called noble lies. The first of which was that they said at the beginning that they didn't think masks were very useful. And that was because there wasn't enough masks and they wanted to make sure that there'd be enough for healthcare professionals, right? And then I think probably other ones that will come out is that truthfully that they knew vaccines weren't that effective, in stopping the transmission of COVID. And again, before I get letters again, I'm not saying it doesn't reduce the likelihood at all, but we were sort of sold this silver bullet, 15 jab, million jabs to freedom. It will stop COVID going around. It even stopped BO. You know what I mean? It would just it would stop everything. And, and it clearly was not that. And, and and very much not that in the case of, um, of Omicron. And so I think that these things will start to, to eke out. You know, the things that they said to us to get us to do things that they felt, in fairness, were good for society, but it will give rise. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of rise. Conspiracy theories uh, have gained a lot of traction in the last year because, again, in fairness to them, you know, we were told quite decisively there will never be vaccine passports in this country. Or, you know, never, we were told a lot of things in a lot of countries, and yet a lot of them have come to pass. So there'll be a group of people that will find mainstream politics quite disturbing. And you, you'll have it already with your friends, people that are going down rabbit holes and becoming deeply suspicious of all parties. And, and another issue is the fact that, you know, the only alternative in this country, you might have felt that the Conservatives have been hypocritical and incompetent, but you can be damn sure that the other parties would have just locked down sooner, harder and longer Man, that sounds like <laughs> sounds like a decent pledge, right, ladies? Quicker, harder, longer. No, harder and longer is good. Quicker. Yeah. What most people think? Sounds a couple of letters and requests for predictions here. Uh, this is from James Bowley, a patron. These are all from VIP patrons. Um, now that Boris has rejected calls for further restrictions, if the UK doesn't see soaring COVID death numbers by mid-January, I mean that has been one big change, isn't it? We're no longer saying about. Uh, infections we we just we're right down to brass tacks okay who's dying uh will he asked if that doesn't happen will professor neil 5000 deaths per day ferguson continue to be taken seriously by the media and politicians in the future i mean that is a great nickname isn't it we've got the darts going on at the moment neil 5000 deaths per day ferguson i i guess he's like a go-to guy i mean what what is interesting throughout covid is that that there seems to be no incentive for people to try and be accurate because i think the way that the delta thing exploded 
it freaks people out. These were huge numbers. And the Kent variant or the Alpha variant. Um, and I think that scarred people. And I think that if you were in that job, it would be human nature to err on the side of caution, right? I mean, it, and if you look at the, the modelling that Sage produced as to what would happen after Freedom Day, it would fucking way off, right? So that might be human nature, but that's certainly not in your professional remit. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not your job. <laughs> your job is to advise governments and go, uh, in these three doomsday scenarios, this the least doomsday-ish of the doomsday, we still hit the day of doom. And you go, okay, is there any scenarios, you know, that you think are possible? Uh, well, you know, well, that would just be what, you're asking us to tell you good news? Not asking you to tell us good news, just if there is a possible way this could go that's also good, it'd be good to have like a rounded, a rounded view <laughs> of uh, all the potential outcomes here. So I think that he probably he will, because he's, you know, like all these things, you become the go-to guy for something. He's, he's your guy. He's a bit of a shagger uh, in his time. It's amazing, really, that he came back from that, isn't it? It's am- <laughs> He just was like, told, told her, yeah, lock it, lock everyone down. Meanwhile, he's knocking off someone else's wife. Astonishing. But yeah, Neil, 5,000 deaths per day, Ferguson... I think that bit by bit, the public will certainly turn against these things. But I think that the media might be a lot slower. Okay, so a few people asked a question along these lines, including MEBL and Steve Nagshaw, asking basically what was the next random thing that will be declared racist, transphobic, or in some way hideously bigoted? Um, I think think it'll be... I mean, they'll just keep going, won't they? And and also Colin um, asked the question... Uh, about, you know, will, will it be a turning point against Woke in 2022? Will people just go, fuck it, just turn, have a day off? Um, I, I think that that has already happened to a point. I, I think it would, I think that's happened with people. Again, there's a lag in terms of the corporate world and TV, you know, like that. This is, this is good for them. Not Maybe not so much for the corporate world. Well, if you're working, if you're working on the board of a company and one of your colleagues has said something a little bit out of line, right? You're already fearful. You're already a 55-year-old white guy. It's very easy for you to go, fight, sack Gareth. <laughs> and you go, well, you, well, you, are you worried because you and Gareth are sort of the same and you, you, you're already fearing that you'll be, you know, plunged into joblessness a bit earlier than your retirement? Day? Yeah, fuck Gareth. What did he say? Well, we was, um, we, well, we, was at a, we had a company day out and Gareth said that somebody had thrown a paddy. You know, okay, that's a phrase. Yeah, well... We've looked into it. HR have had a look into it. And this appears this might have uh, Irishophobic. Is that a word? Yes, it is a word. Irishophobic throwing a paddy. And yeah, we looked online and there was something, as you go, which no one's actually fucking aware of that that it was. It does come a couple of hundred. But look, you shouldn't have said it. Gareth's out. (laughs) Maybe that'll be it. Yeah, they'll just keep trying to mop up those last little bits of language, you know. I mean, like there are there are things that have word. I think throw throw a paddy does come from some old view that Irish people were kind of a bit uppity, right? Okay, maybe that's not the greatest origin, but I certainly think there's anybody in twenty twenty one or twenty two saying that isn't isn't thinking that uh, at all. But maybe 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 that's the next thing. Because the thing with what woke or whatever it is, it's always been around in one form or another, being right on, politically correct and stuff, is it always has to basically excavate further and further to find things to be upset about because it bestows with it a sense of moral purity 
Um, so it, it, it's already reached a tipping point for a lot of people. And what will start to happen, like all of these these kind of movements, is that they splinter a bit. People will realise how alienating it can be. I think that the Labour Party will realise that they are, and this has been under-discussed, in fact, they are tacitly associated with wokeism or whatever it is, right? Because um, that's what people think that the left offer. If you ask people generally, okay, what, what are the Labour Party about? They'll be like, oh, you know, like... Yeah, you know, the NHS, you know, diversity quotes. They might throw a lot of stuff in there, which, in fairness to Labour, they might not have sort of pinned themselves to, but that will be uh, the perception. So I think savvy politicians uh, in the Labour Party will realise that it's not necessarily great for, of the two parties, them to be uh, the most associated <laughs> with the idea of people being in trouble just for using the wrong fucking word. Okay, this is a question from Neil Dias. Will England beat anybody at cricket in 2022? Neil, I feel your pain. I I mean, it's been a hard watch, isn't it? I can't believe that I paid £27 a month. But we'll, I'm, I'm delaying here because I'm, I'm looking at who England are going to be playing in uh, 2022. And we're going to be playing New Zealand. Ah, oh, fuck you, yeah, New Zealand. Uh, so this is in a test match series. How many tests are there? Um, two test series against New Zealand. So that'll be 2 new in New Zealand. Then we've got one day in the national series against the fucking Netherlands. Oh, my God. Is this how far we've... Is that is that who's willing to play us now? Oh, and then we've got a test match series against... It. Oh, we got a one-off test against India. So that was the one that was uh, was postponed from before. And then we've got some 2020s against India. And some one day into well, one day in national. Then a one day in the national series against South Africa. What the fuck is going on with our schedule for next year? And then we're playing the the Neville. A two test match series against South Africa. Three, three. And then we're playing Chad. <laughs> and then just before uh, a couple of twenty twenties against San Marino. So yeah, look, we're playing so many different teams. We're playing Neville. I think we may work well. I think we might take a match off the Netherlands. I've got, I've got a funny feeling in my bones. When it comes to one-day cricket, we might, we might just squeeze, squeeze over the line in a really tight run chase against Holland. Okay, that is the end of Mystic Jeff 2022. What do you think about predictions? Do you think I'm bang on with some of them? The broad sweeps are the way that I see it all going. Give us a shout at whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. We've got some more new patrons to read out here. We've got Alex Rube. Alex Rube, man. You know Alex Rube? Yeah, the Rube Cube. Alex Rube Boy. Rube. <laughs> the Rube Boys. Oh, my God, you got loads of brothers that are called Rubes. Welcome, and thank you for your support. Joshua Kingston, who does sound like a boxer, but I know that's because Anthony Joshua, Joshua Kingston, but he does sound like he's a cruiserweight. Joshua Kingston. Joshua. 2,000 knockouts a day. Kingston. Then we've got Timmy Rosser. Timmy, I love it. You called yourself Timmy. You've already decided that we're mates. You've given Timmy. All right, Timmy Rosser. Although the way that your your name is pronounced, Timmy Rosser, will people say Rosser? If you ever got that problem, you go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Rosser. People are like, sorry, he's a fucking Rosser. You never told me he's a Rosser. Yeah, I'm a Rosser. My whole family are Rosers. Uh, and who else we got here? We've got Paul Morrison. Paul Morrison. Paul, you know who Paul Morrison is? You know, Paul Morrison, he's that guy that you knew. He was dating a girl when he was 16, right? And then you then you didn't see him for 15 years. And then you see him, he's got three kids with her. And he's like, fuck it. And he just looks like, he looks about 48, even though he's 31. And 
he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just yeah, never really, never really wanted to travel or anything. Just set, settled down, settled down with Callie and got the three kids. And you, know, like, you just see behind his eyes, like there is, there is a guy just waiting to cut loose. Yeah, you know, I just, she lets me go and do the pub quiz once a week. And he's like, <laughs> his eyes are going, help me. Uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Bell, Charlotte Bell. It's a pretty name, Charlotte Bell. Charlotte Bell, I bet you're, I bet you're a lawyer, aren't you, Charlotte? I bet you do like company law, one of those boring as fuck things. But you were smart enough to work out early on that there was some serious cheddar in that. Anyway, thank you all for your support as patrons. One last thing is to read out the reviews. If you re- reviews five star reviews, please on anywhere you get it. If you do them on iTunes, I will try and read them out. Uh, this is from Plez three three three, and he thinks that the new theme tune sounds like I'm saying pot roast. Pot roast, pot roast, people think. And it does, in fairness. Uh, this is from Lorraine the Pain. Oh, she's got her own nickname. She's like Neil 5000 Deaths a Day Ferguson. Just catching up on housework again. I'm going to read like I think Lorraine speaks and listen to my favourite podcast. Listen to the episode of Nick Dixon, who I started following because of the garbage he had to put up with this year. And I have to say, well done to all of you. Oh, now sound like, you know, Matt Lucas does an impression of a woman. Uh, you must have skins like rhinoceros having to put up with all the crap you do. I struggle to understand how people wake up with such venom in their hearts. Keep up the good work. And the book is brilliant, by the way. Thank you, Lorraine. You're a good human being. I can tell. Thank you for the support for the patrons. Thank you for your questions. Have a great new year. I mean, it has been a better Christmas, isn't it? I mean, like it's always fucked up loads of stuff, but they said this year will be better than last year, and it sort of was. But given how shit last year was, it's like saying our next Ashes tour will be better than this one. And you know what? It probably fucking won't be. Have a good one. (laughs) 